Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. see some of you have already forgotten how to smile after last week so let's try that again good morning that is much better well this morning we're continuing with our sermon series related to our theme for this year which is on a mission and as I prepare and preach this series I am keeping two goals in mind the first goal is I want to work towards expanding our view of God's mission in this world You know, I think most of us grew up with a fairly narrow view of mission. And for those of us who grew up with that kind of narrow view of mission, when we hear mission, many of us automatically and I think very naturally think about something that's done way out there. Usually way in the far corners of the world. And we envision something that's done by someone else, not done by us. We Envision something done by professional missionaries. Professional missionaries who are paid, usually very poorly, but paid to be the ones who go for us way out there to proclaim the gospel. And I certainly don't want to diminish the importance of those who have been called and who have been sent to go way out there. But I do want us to see that what's done way out there is just a part of God's mission in the world. I want to open our eyes to the fact that God's mission is also taking place in the near corners of the world. In our corners of the world. I want all of us to recognize that God intends for his mission to be moved forward through the lives and the actions of all of his people. In all of the corners of the world. And that's really my second goal And that's to convince us that all of us, each and every one of us, is a missionary. We are God's missionaries. I want to convince us that each one of us has a vital role, a vital part to fill. A vital role in taking God's blessings to our part of the world. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've probably noticed that our mission focus so far has been on how we live instead of on what we should say. That's certainly not to suggest that what we say as God's missionaries is unimportant. It is vitally important. But instead, it's to help us realize that it's very crucial that we put first things first. 
See, we're first talking about how we walk before we talk about what we should say. And we're doing it in that order because our actions, because the way we walk through our corner of the world will either validate the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring honor to our God, or our walk will rob the gospel of its power and bring dishonor on our God. You see, the people in your corner of the world, they'll want to hear what the gospel says after they see what the gospel has done in your life. After they see how it has transformed your walk. And this morning we're going to see that we bless the nations. We move God's mission forward when we walk true to our calling. Our calling as a kingdom of priests. A royal priesthood. And when we are ready to live as a truly holy nation. We bless the nations by being a kingdom of priests and a holy nation among the nations. By walking as holy priests in front of the nations. By walking as holy priests alongside the nations. So what does that mean? Well, let's start out by talking about the biblical role of priests. Beginning with Moses' brother Aaron and Aaron's sons, the role of a priest has been always to stand in the middle between God and the people. To stand in the middle. The priest was a mediator. The priest was the go-between. The priest was the conduit between God and the people. The priests made God known to the people. They brought God to the people. First in the tabernacle and then in the temple, the priests through their service brought God's presence into the daily life of the community. The priests brought God to the people. But the priests were a two-way conduit. Not only did they bring God to the people, they brought the people to God. As they properly administered the sacrifices and took care of the regulations, the priests brought the life of the community into the continual presence of God. We can think of the priests as the access point for the people to encounter their God. And what was the result? Well, the result of the priest's service to their God and their service to the people was blessings. You see, the people blessed the people in the name of God. And God chose to bless the people through his priest. They were the conduit for blessings. We can get a flavor of how God worked his blessings and his mission through his priest by listening to God speak to Moses about the priests. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, we read, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, tell the priest, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. 
So they, so the priests will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. See, the priests stood in the middle and they pointed the people to their God. He said, this is the God who blesses you. And it was the priest who pointed the people to their true identity. They told the people, you are the people who wear the very name of God, the name of Yahweh. But in order to fill that role, in order to stand in the middle, in order to bring God's blessings, the priest had to walk in God's ways. In God's very specific ways. They had to walk in God's specific ways while leading their people to God. God's very specific ways. If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about God's specific ways. You know, Leviticus is basically God's policy and procedures manual for the priests. The book of Leviticus is focused on worship. It's focused on sacrifice. It's focused on purity. It tells the priests what to do. It tells the priests how to do it. It tells the priests when to do it. It tells the consequences of not doing it properly. What Leviticus does is it tells the priest how to claim their identity as his priests. It tells them how to fulfill their role in bringing God to the people and bringing the people to their God. You see, Leviticus isn't just a bunch of random rules and a bunch of random regulations. Instead, it shows the Israelites and it shows their priests what it means to be the treasured possession of the holy God. It shows what it means to live in covenant obedience with the holy God. It's showing the people how to live like what they are. And what are they? What are the people? Well, listen to God declare what the people are. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. We read, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said... This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, who is Israel? Well, they are the people God has chosen. They're the people who God has rescued, the people who God has redeemed. They're the people with whom God has formed a covenant. They're the people through whom God will bless the nations. That's the identity God has given them. And to be true to the identity as God's chosen people, Israel's priests are called to obedience. They're called to holiness. And they're given the task to call the entire community to obedience and holiness. You see, the priests weren't called to stand apart from the people. They were called to stand with the people. To walk with the people. 
to lead the entire nation into covenant obedience and into community holiness. You see, unlike some religions, the priests weren't called to be holy for the nation. So we can have a few holy people among us. So we can point to a few holy people. That's not what they were called to do. They were called to be holy with the nation. God's calling them into covenant obedience. So there'll be an entire kingdom of priests. A holy nation. And holiness is the key. You see, you can't have a kingdom of priests without also having a holy nation. Holiness is a condition of priesthood. So we should talk about what it means to be holy. See, that's an important question for us. What does it mean to be holy? It's an important question for us because what was true for Israel way back then is true for us today. See, as Christians, we too are the people of God. We are the people God has rescued. We are the people God has redeemed. We are also the people through whom God blesses the nations. And we are the people with whom God has formed a covenant. As Peter reminds us, we too are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We too are called to holiness. So what does it mean to be holy? Well, first of all, holy means set apart. And it means kept apart. Set apart and kept apart for a very distinct purpose. See, holy people and a holy nation are distinctive people and a distinctive nation. They don't blend in. They're light in the darkness. And by the way they live and by the way they worship, they show the true nature and the true character of their God. And by the way they live and by the way they worship, they bring honor and praise and glory to their God. That's their distinctive purpose. And their distinctiveness is rooted in the distinctiveness of their God. One way we can think about it is that God's holy nation is to be as distinctively different from the other nations as our God is distinctively different from other so-called gods. And that makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that the people of God would be as distinctly different from other people as their God is distinctively different from other gods. The people of the distinctively different God are distinctively different. I want you to listen to God speak to Israel about holiness. Leviticus chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. He's, we read, the Lord said to Moses, said, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26, God says, You are to be my holy ones, because I, the Lord, am holy. 
And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Be holy because I am holy. Well, the next thing that we need to know about holiness is that holiness is a gift. See, we didn't escape. We were rescued. We didn't wash ourselves clean. We were washed clean. We didn't pay our debt. Our debts were paid for us. Our holiness is a gift. God has made us holy. God has called us holy. God has declared us as holy. It's a gift. But it's a gift that comes with implications. It's a gift that comes with obligations. You see, since we were rescued, since we were washed, since we were redeemed, we have an obligation to live. It's our priestly task to live holy lives. Listen once more to God speak about the obligation that redeemed people have to living holy lives. Leviticus 18, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must follow my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Do you hear what God is saying about holiness? He's saying, don't follow, don't imitate, don't be like, don't fall back into the ways of the world, the ways of the world that I've rescued you from. God had rescued Israel from Egypt. They came from a land, a nation that relied on the God of military power, and a nation that sacrificed everything to the God of an expanding empire. And God says, but I'm a different God. Be holy because I am holy. He says, I didn't bring you out of slavery so that you could act like a slave. And that's always a timely warning, isn't it? Don't fall back into the world that I rescued you from. And God sees another danger. And he gives an equally timely reminder when he says, also make sure you don't trade one false god in for another false god. God says, I took you out of Egypt and I'm taking you into Canaan. And don't trade the false gods of Egypt for the false gods of Canaan. Don't leave the gods of military power and of empire behind. Just so you can then be lured into adopting sex and prosperity as your gods as they do in Canaan. He said, I didn't bring you out of slavery so you can act like a slave. And I'm not taking you into Canaan so you can act like a Canaanite. He says, be holy because I am holy. That's our obligation. That's our task. 
It's to be holy because the God who rescued us is holy. And so if holiness is an obligation, if holiness is our task, how do we go about fulfilling that obligation? How do we accomplish that task of being holy? Well, I've got some good news for you. You don't have to wear priestly robes and hang out at the temple in order to be holy. In fact, even in Leviticus, God's call to holiness is surprisingly practical. But it's also all-encompassing. So you don't have to live in the temple to be holy. But you have to take the temple with you to wherever you live. See, being holy is living distinctively in all the corners of your world. So once more, let's listen to God talk about holiness, about practical, every corner of your world holiness. Listen to what our holy God says about being holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And what does that holiness look like? Verse 3, God says, each of you must respect your mother and father and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. How can you be distinctly holy? Well, it turns out you can be distinctly holy by respecting your parents. And by obeying your God. And by worshiping your God and worshiping him alone. That's what holiness looks like. Verse 9. God continues on and says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. And do not steal. And do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And don't defraud your neighbor or rob him. And don't hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. How can you be distinctly holy? By being generous to the poor and the displaced. By being honest and true with everyone in every situation. That's what holiness looks like. God continues in verse 14. He says... Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. And do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. How can you be distinctly holy? Well, it turns out you can be distinctly holy by being kind to everyone. By saying good things even about the people who can't hear what you say. 
by doing good things for those who can't even see what you do. It turns out you can be distinctly holy by being just and being fair to everyone. Verse 16, he continues on and says, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. And do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So keep my decrees. So how can you be distinctly holy? Well, it turns out you can be distinctly holy by protecting the reputation and the health of others. You can be distinctly holy by loving others, by forgiving others. And don't forget, you can be distinctly holy by obeying your God. How can you be distinctly holy? Respect, obey, worship, generosity and honesty, kindness and justice and fairness, protection, love, and obeying your God's decrees. Be holy, for I am holy. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received the mercy of God. So, my dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. They may see your holiness and glorify your God on the day he visits us. Be holy because I am holy. And if you'll be holy among the nations and in front of the nations and as you're walking beside the nations, you will further God's mission. You will be God's missionaries. Because the greater the holy nation, the more glory and honor and praise is given to your holy God. Be holy because he is holy. Let's pray. Holy God. You alone are worthy of all praise. And so, Father, we give you all praise. And we pray, Father, that you'll also give us a heart for holiness so that we will stand apart, distinctively different, but not withhold your light from those who are around us, Father, but to boldly take your light into every corner of the world so that your holy nation will grow, so that the number of your kingdom priests will increase, and so that your praise 
will be on the lips of all the nations. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, let me give you missional challenge number nine. This is a distinctiveness challenge. What I challenge you to do this week is to examine your life and look for ways that you are imitating the world from which God has rescued you. And when you identify those ways, then ask God to redirect your path to instead follow his distinctive ways. Be holy because he is holy. Let's stand and let's sing to our holy Lord.